This week's episode was recorded mere hours before the first reports spread across the world that Putin had begun his invasion of Ukraine. In the two weeks that have followed, we have seen countless horrific acts of cowardice and inhumanity. However, we have also witnessed unwavering strength, unity, and bravery in the face of senseless aggression, not only from the Ukrainian people fiercely defending their homeland, but from nations around the globe, standing together as one to send a message to would-be oppressors that this kind of action will never be tolerated again. The Backrooms podcast is not a political platform. We cover media and entertainment in a lighthearted manner that we hope helps people escape from life's harsh reality for an hour or so every other week. And this week will be no different. However, the world over has shown us that we must call attention to these acts when they happen, rather than bury our heads in the sand. If you are listening to this episode, and you or a loved one has been affected by this crisis, may it bring you solace that you have likely already done everything within your means to aid. The events ongoing today involve many powerful players, and sadly, it will rest upon them to bring this conflict to an official end. If you are feeling overwhelmed by news coverage of recent events, please take some time to detach yourself and enjoy this episode as you normally would. And to the heroes fighting for sovereignty in Ukraine, Mastoimo Zavami. Slava Ukraini. Welcome to the Backrooms Podcast, where in this week's episode, we will be delving into the state of the modern day gaming industry as a whole. Chances are, if you play video games in the year 2022, you've definitely purchased a product that did not seem finished. Why does this keep happening? Are developers getting away with it? Today we'll be taking a look at what's going on behind the scenes to try to figure out what is going on. Sit back, relax, swallow your buyer's remorse, and enjoy the show. piece of shit <laughs> shut the fuck up shut the fuck up <laughs> question of the day can turtles produce wind welcome to the backrooms podcast <laughs> this is like behind the scenes content of the abuse we go through it's <laughs> my show don't ever step on my fucking lines again <laughs> wait can turtle what type of wind sort of ambiguous you know interpretations you know there's different facets of that like are they, statement like because like if you're asking are they aerodynamic i would say yeah but like no, if well produce if, i guess like, they would emanate in but, some capacity but so like like wind wind is a climate thing right so like and the climate's always changing the cl <laughs> does, do the does, winds change does the, turtles change do the war what <laughs> this has gone on way too long <laughs> well one i have a rebuttal question um so does like does anything produce wind except the wind waker? The sun. What? No, the sun produces the wind. Yes, it does. does it, literally it, it how create, it that's literally how wind. wind happens. Yeah. Yes. I'm not a climatologist. So I don't know. The sun heats up the atmosphere in different spots. That the the, the well, pressure yeah, differential causes air current right. movement, and then that produces winds, which hits against the oceans, which causes the waves. And there you go. The science. Wow. I thought it was astrology. Stop. <laughs> oh, it's, it's Welcome actually... to the Backrooms Podcast. I'm a Virgo. I don't know what... Uh... I'm not. I'm a Scorpio. I'm a germ. So German. what are we actually discussing today? Brian. Brian. <laughs> We're talking about me? <laughs> no. So, no, Brian, none of us have played Cyberpunk 2077. I have dabbled, but I didn't... Re I can't, oh, can't, say, I can't okay. say I really played it for a long period of time. I didn't play it. I had no interest in playing it, um, but you just started trying it out, right? Yeah, um, I I had a pretty vested interest in the game before it actually released. Um, I was actually getting myself pretty excited for it in those last couple months, and then the dumpster fire that was <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> was released to the public, and my interest flatlined, yeah. <laughs> like harder. Like their than, stocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I... I didn't touch it. I didn't want to know anything else about it. I was like, okay, well, that's that's disappointing, but moving on. Um, but there's been a lot of buzz about the most recent, uh, the 1.5 patch, I think it was, 
that that recently came out where everybody's saying that this is kind of like the state that the game was intended to release in. Um, I don't know if that's true, mainly because one, I didn't play the game when it released, so right. I don't really know how bad the bugs were firsthand. All I know is like what I've seen in other people's videos or or what people have talked about. But they did release a um a five hour free trial that I was trying out yesterday, and. I, I liked what I played. I did like what I played. And considering the game is on sale for 50% off right now, or at least at the time of recording, by the time <laughs> the time this comes out, it'll be over. But uh, I'm almost considering shelling out a little bit of money to play this game, yeah. you know, especially if it's if, if people are saying that it's in a better state now than it, than it should have been. But so, really what I want to kind of get at with this uh, conversation is... Why Why does that need to happen? Why does that keep happening? Yeah, modern so, gaming is like... Modern so, gaming. Modern gaming. Um, there seems to be a recurring pattern with all these very large and upcoming AAA studio titles being released in a state that is less than what ex- we are expecting or less than ideal. Mm-hmm. Um few examples one being cyberpunk um battlefield 2042 halo infinite right and that's that's kind of what i'm saying is i i feel like it used to be like more isolated incidents where like oh you could always point to ea and say yeah that's just the way that's just how ea is you know or that's just how ubisoft is but now it's like okay cd project red released cyberpunk before it was finished ea is releasing battlefield before it's finished Halo Infinite, granted they delayed it a year, but I would still argue that it's not finished. <laughs> you know, it still needed a little bit of time in the oven, I think. It's very content light, and they still have not ironed out all of the performance issues with mm-hmm. the game. So Even uh, after all these updates? That- right. Uh, so, un- unfortunately, we're in this kind of weird state where games are coming out now, and it's like, how are you getting away with this? Yeah. How are you getting away with this? Think about it. Honestly, sit down and think about it. If you bought a book, a 300-page book, and only 200 pages had text on them, <laughs> you'd fucking riot. You'd go nuts. If you if you went to a movie theater and midway through the movie, they just cut the screen off and they said, that's all we got so far. That's it. I mean, isn't that kind of what they did with Avengers? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So you know I, what I mean. That, that, my question would be, are these games actually being released unfinished, or are they just not putting the final effort into it? I don't know. What do you, I really what don't do you know. think, Justin? I have a lot to say. I'm typing it, actually. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> um, like, what I'm thinking is, you know, e- EA... You follow the memes. EA is notorious for having like very horrible releases in games. Um, all the Battlefield games always started with some sort of server issues. The Battlefront from Star Wars, uh, from the Star Wars Battlefront games, were horribly, horribly light on content. Like Battlefront, it's really heavily monetized. Yeah, like and, aggressively monetized. And in essence, the moment to moment, like few hours of gameplay it was fun but then it's like what the fuck am i doing you know right Um, am i supposed to spend 300 hours to unlock darth vader on like you know the very few maps and game modes that i'm allowed to play right Right. is that fun so it's i feel like it's hard to say with us being outsiders you know what what is happening on the inside of these studios that is causing either shortage of content poor release um just lack of care like what what's going on you know that game got better battlefront 2 i heard it got a lot better i heard it got it better did. too it did i i had and it then, I, um, I played it but it shouldn't be that it should take this long after launch to be better mm-hmm. that's really how it should be launched and it shouldn't be ex- a lot of the changes that take place shouldn't exclusively be from backlash or negative uh, criticism like it shouldn't take those elements to change the game necessarily like a lot of the for example a lot of the monetization stuff was like from the such negative um response from the community a lot of that stuff mm. was changed which is a good thing but um and also i know that with battlefront 2 they the development team like had more content planned had other maps and things that they were developing and then ea i 
cut development from it, cut like funding from continuing to develop the DLC and content for the game. I guess it wasn't making them enough money, you know, after all the time that they spent in it, it wasn't, it was a sunken cost and they just mm-hmm. didn't feel it was worth it. But that's also unfortunate is like, if, if the game doesn't pan out, that's less incentive for the developer to make it better, to improve it and to add the things that maybe it should have had. So it's like you get those scenarios where, um, where sometimes it doesn't ever get better. You know? Right. So my concern is, <clears throat> and maybe maybe it's not so much of a concern because it, it, it does seem like people aren't really tolerating this kind of thing much anymore. My, my concern is that <clears throat> people are just kind of letting this stuff slide. Like, this is just the state of gaming now, and this is just what we have to deal with. It's like, no, we don't have to put up with this. And if you look at um, Battlefield 2042, they've lost... In you know the three months that the game has been out, they've lost ninety eight percent of their player base. Ninety eight percent. They went from an all time peak, uh, all time twenty four hour peak of a hundred thousand players to now hovering in between like two to three thousand. Mm. It's insane for a game that new and that massive to have lost that many players in such a short span of time. Um, now here here's here's a problem though that. Uh, Battlefield 2042, you had to pay for it, right? It was a $60 game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Even though it lost 90% of its users, it made 100% of the sales. You know? Um, There's a petition on um, change.org. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the petition that's oh, going around. Man. Over 300,000 people have signed this petition to try to get refunds for this game. Mm. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. But, I mean... Does anything on change.org happen? <laughs> I think it's more just to... It's, it's, more, it's, it's PR and awareness. Press, like right. it's, it's, it's like it's that's like what it's, comes it's like the from, Better like, Business Bureau. Yes. It's it's all for PR. It doesn't actually do anything. Mm. My my, what worries me though is the way some of these companies are responding to this backlash. EA, granted, EA is like the most like egregious and blind to the court of public opinion mm-hmm. kind of company that I've ever seen in my life. They're like the Apple of gaming. <laughs> <laughs> but they are literally out here blaming Halo Infinite yeah. for Battlefield's failure. And I'm actually convinced that that this game has actually killed the Battlefield franchise because they have outright stated that they don't believe that Battlefield is an essential part of their of their product line. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that tweet that they they put out, but they yeah. basically said that like we're not worried about Battlefield because we don't think the the company needs it to survive. Right. <laughs> so that essentially means like okay, we're not really focusing on Battlefield anymore. I mean, which is a shame. It's a real shame to see how far that that franchise has really fallen. Yeah. Well, these days, um, you know, especially this last Battlefield was so massive. Um, it wasn't the entirety of the game because it has, uh, I guess, the normal standard Battlefield modes. It has that time warp thing. Battlefield portal. Portal. Um, and then it has it has so many different aspects to it. DICE was not the only studio that made that game. It was DICE and then I think two other studios that made separate parts of the game. So... Right there, you have a fracturing of visions. You have a fracturing of, like, the passion that's going into the game. You don't have a studio's vision going into even No matter how big that studio, usually a studio can, within its own teams and with its, with its own resources, make that, that creative decision. But now you have three different companies doing three different things. It, it, it complicates things further. Um, and, you know of the AAA games that's not the only issue you know company to to do something like that um halo infinite one of the biggest reasons it's had such a shitstorm of a release um you can go th- you can go through records and everything and and just laugh at microsoft um they had a, microsoft has a rule uh, i don't know if it's for every aspect of their business or just gaming but there needs to be at least a certain percentage of the workers on that product to be contract workers and the maximum amount of time they're allowed to stay is six months that's a lot of the gaming industry too like this, that is this, a lot this of contract gaming. contract work is, is yeah. a huge part yeah. and i'm not saying that that's a bad thing i think the future of our world you know the gig economy contract work is gonna gonna be what takes over the world but on a video game if you're gonna have contract work it can't be just six months you, you gotta contract for longer 
they can it's also dependent on that 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 ties into other issues like the the culture of game development being not so healthy and the aspect of quote-unquote crunch you know in and that extends to other industries and other parts of life but it's particularly bad in um the gaming industry and if say if people are contract contracted to do work for some development studio or something and they're not willing or able to put themselves through that type of crunch workload and almost kill themselves to do it that you know because their contract worked well we just won't renew your contract you know that that, and and so that incentivizes such an unhealthy um dynamic within the develop within like development and 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 studios um I have a whole slew of stuff. I I can I can tell. What do you want to start with? Come on, there's there's um, so much to talk about. Let's fucking get to it. Okay. Well, I like, I, not I like. I find it. <laughs> I find it interesting. Yeah. That was interesting. <laughs> I hate my life. <laughs> um, the you talked about just before the fracturing of uh of the development team into yeah. you know subsections because of how large things are things are outsourced um that i think is a primary issue the size of these teams and the scope of these games ever increasing so large teams you know people think that oh if 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 this is this if uh, if this much more work needs to be done i can just assign double the amount of people and i will get double the work done no. and it does not it does not work like that. The larger a team is, the more difficult it becomes to communicate within the team and to delegate work. Things just don't and will not work as efficiently. And you will also are often playing games of telephone where as uh, information goes down the line or ideas or concepts and things like that, you know, everybody's going to have a, maybe a different interpretation. And the more people that are introduced to that, the more varying that that output mm. will become. Um, with and with these large games, combined with the bad crunch culture, <laughs> uh, we get a lot of games that are unreleased outside of content. Often have a lot of bugs or exploits or don't function in the way it's supposed to function, and that comes in software development and also other stuff with just having really large systems. Really, in this case, the system is the game. Having more um complex mechanics uh, a more advanced engine or more uh robust networking more components means more people need to work on it which means there's more room for error and the crunch means that people are working longer hours and often making more errors and that leads into self-defeating cycles yeah and with that you also have to do more q a you know it's everything what is q a <clears throat> quality assurance? Uh, quality assurance yeah with with testing and stuff and Maybe not all uh, companies, Microsoft included, uh, puts emphasis on Q and A. They put or Q A. They put Q more emphasis on yeah, not question Q and answers. Not Q and A. <laughs> Q A. Uh, where they put more emphasis on just getting the product yeah. finished without properly testing it because they have to meet these unrealistic deadlines. That's another aspect. That that's um, that was prevalent in a. Uh, Oh, so there, there's the documentary for uh, Santa Monica Studios when they created God of War 4. Or, mm. um, and how much Corey Barlog and his team had, like him himself, he went to his director, he went to his supervisors, and then the, the executives at, at Sony and were like, listen, we need more time. You know, the amount of dinners and, and sit-downs they had, they're like, this if this is going to be what you want it to be for your console you need to give us this time we keep running into walls we keep and i think that's the right way a studio needs to go about it sometimes like just bite the you can't just bite the bullet release an unfinished game and expect people to still buy your stuff um mm-hmm. hell one of the, one in in business one of the biggest um it's becoming less and less apparent now with more corporate structures and everything, but in business you need relationships and those relationships come from, you know, delivering 
on what you're promising. Do you continue to have those 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 bad releases? Yes. For that short term gain of get get the product out so that we can get a return on it. Yeah. That's bad in the long term. Yeah. For everyone. It's for everyone, absolutely. I think um you should kind of look in the direction of like Rockstar Games. Um say what you want about them as a studio or the games that they make. They are one of the few companies out there that puts out a high quality product. You know why? Nearly every time because one crunch. They give their they they actually give people time to work on stuff. How long have they been working on GTA 6? I don't know. Are they working on GTA well, 6? Yes, they've confirmed oh. it. They've yeah. since confirmed it since For example, Red Dead 2 is such a well-renowned game in a lot of aspects, and I agree with that. It's got a great story, great world, a lot of detail, and it looks phenomenal, and the voice acting and the motion capture, everything is really well done. And that game was notorious for having such bad crunch to get that stuff done. Mm -hmm. It was so bad. but mm. and, and people, there, there's also a mindset from some people that think, oh, well, you know, <laughs> these really bad takes, they show like crunch, and they show like uh, Last of Us Two, mm. like this is what Crunch gets you. And they show, and they show Animal Crossing. This is what No Crunch gets you. Yeah. And I'm like, how? Okay. What is that even a remotely uh, wait. fair or relevant comparison? No, that's ridiculous. Because it, like Animal Crossing is one game where Nintendo has has tried to, and it's like publicly documented that they intentionally did not want to stress their employees too much. They didn't want to right. induce that type of a working environment, which is why it took more time for content for that game to oh, come out. Oh, okay. Um, and no, I don't think it's worth people's health. No, not at for, all. For that type of... Because but you, you don't even need to do that. That's the thing. Yeah. But well, I mean... The, hell the thing with Rockstar is that they they are always striving to create something bigger and better larger in scope than their previous projects and i think if more companies took their approach and i'm not talking about crunch um taking the time taking the time but they don't they don't breadcrumb they don't breadcrumb the public if they don't have something to show you they're not going to tell you anything they're not going to build your excitement and anticipation of this product so that you're breathing down the studio's neck for six months at mm -hmm. a time if they don't have anything to show you. That's actually true, too. You know, I, I feel like a lot of companies, they're like, oh, yeah, like Cyberpunk. They've been teasing Cyberpunk for how many goddamn years? Mm -hmm. And it just builds hype, and expectation is the thief of joy. Yes. You know? So I, I think if, if if you don't have something that's prepared and ready to ship, or, or, or even really, if you're nowhere close to a release window, don't show anything at all, mm. honestly, because you're just building anticipation for something that might disappoint or you will have to take a incomplete because public the, the public opinion is like this needs we need this out right now we need this out and and you know it's just going to hurt your company in the Absolutely. long run either way because if you take the time they're going to get pissed at you for delaying the game for you know an extra year or you could ship the door you send it out the door unfinished and <laughs> hurt the company even more because now you're sending out shitty products that aren't finished and yeah. stealing people's money there there's an image in you know that and that's where the marketing comes in P these companies spend so much money on uh marketing the game so i have the, i have some numbers here uh fiscal year 2021 uh ea spent uh, and you can look all this up because it's, you know, they're a publicly traded company. They spent $700 million on marketing um, all of their games. It's insane. Um, where they're, which is ha half of their cost of revenue, so their actual cost of developing the games. Right. Activision, their cost of revenue, I mean, their um, cost of marketing was $1 billion. Their product development was $1.5. So... There's almost a near 50-50 split yeah. on, on the marketing to development costs. Yeah. It's like that's you spend as much to make the game yeah. as you do to market it. That's well, crazy. it doesn't help how astronomical the cost of marketing actually is. And, it, and it's, it's like like Super Bowl ads. You know how much it costs to run a 30-second Super Bowl ad? Yeah. Upwards of like $30 million. That's why these... It's insane. That's why Google <laughs> and Facebook... Well, fuck, that's excluding fuck Meta, the cost but... of production. For the commercial itself, excluding the cost of paying people to be in said commercial, 
ridiculous. There's a reason why Google is one of the biggest companies, and ninety or whatever percentage of their revenue comes from ad advertising. Advertising. Yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, that's that's resources that could be spent somewhere else on it. Like I think a fantastic example, Elden Ring. Um, it's marketing. Yeah. It had a release trailer, I think, how many years ago? Was it four, almost four years ago at this point? And then nothing. Nothing for you, four years. You have to be wary with how you do that, though. You have to take a measured approach of to course. marketing. Because you can have scenarios where people, where companies and teams try and do that, where they'll put something small out like a little taste of something mm -hmm. and then for long periods a long period of time will not show much else and that can either continue to build type depending on the fan base of the community Dark Souls. or it just wavers and goes into obscurity because that that's that happens with other stuff i know um um sony this is not technically related to gaming, but with like their technology divisions and and a lot of the products that they release, they have like a bad habit of showcasing something or teasing something like way way ahead of when it's going to release. And by the time it releases, there's there's so little fanfare. A lot of the time can be so little fanfare because you you showed me okay now like I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait, and I'm just I'm done waiting. I've moved on right. to other things. I mean, think about it like. They teased Halo Infinite in 2018. 2018. Yeah, E3 in 2018. That was when... They teased it at E3 2018. And they left us hanging for six, seven months at a time before they would breadcrumb us, you know, little tidbits of information about the game. And over that span of time, with that much content drought in terms of, like, you know, being fed info from the developers on, like, what the hell is going on behind the scenes... Mm-hmm. It just builds speculation like, oh, my God, this is going to be the craziest game ever. You're going to be able to do this and you're going to be able to do that. And it's going to be the best game ever. And then the game releases. Tight like, gameplay, but like okay, everything surrounding should. the gameplay of that yeah. of Halo Infinite is just like it's not there. It's, right. it's just not there. I still really love Halo Infinite. And I don't want to give off the impression that I think it's a bad game because I really don't. But it is extremely content dry. I, like yesterday, last night. I think you and I uh, were you playing Infinite with us? We were playing Minecraft Dungeons. Yeah, we were playing Dungeons. Oh, that's a good game. Dungeons. I love Dungeons. They were they had a lot of they stuff. They had a man. lot of stuff. Good. You know, uh, that's also another game that was um, slightly content dry in the beginning. I, I'll forgive it because it was only like twenty or thirty dollars. It wasn't right. a sixty dollars like AAA game. game. Um, however, um, I was on last night uh, as we're recording this. I was on playing Halo Infinite for the first time in I think almost a month. And it's like, I missed it, but at the same time, I'm like, what would I have been doing? All I really do, like, there's nothing to, to go forward. Right. Like, there, there's not right. a lot of, I did the battle pass. I didn't pay for it. Ryan? Uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong. No, I, I did pay for it, but not until, like, like, I didn't pay for extra levels or anything like that. Um, so I didn't have anything else to work for except ranked. And then they just reset everybody's ranks. So it's like... All right, let me... Oh, did they? Yeah, they did, oh, wow. because they, they changed their algorithm for um, their ranking system, so they want to put everybody back on a square one. So how does that work with, like, unlocks now? Same thing. Uh, do I still have all the stuff that I had? For for the... Um, for ranked. Oh, oh for, for ranked. Ranked, you mean, for ranked. I thought you meant in the battle no, pass. No, I was no, like, no. that's weird. No. Um... But, but but yeah, you're right. Halo Infinite, I haven't touched the multiplayer in probably well over a month, because... Yes, it's fun, but at the same time, like I, I don't think I'm as into competitive shooters as much as I used to be. That's a you problem. It, it is a me problem. Yeah, that's a. It is a me problem, but I agree. At the though. same time, like if there's nothing to strive for, then it's just like mm -hmm. being competitive for the sake of being competitive. Yeah. And if that's not what it, I'm in the mood to do, I'm not going to play the game. <laughs> you know, that's what it is. I feel like I've been waiting for the tactical ops. Um, event to start just so that i would have something to work towards but then at the end of that then it's like okay yeah now i got all these cool skins and stuff for my spartan but like that's gonna be a week long i'm not gonna use it after that you know that, so. that's that's not for another month and it's only gonna be a week long they need more things to keep us engaged with the game and the problem with that is right they really should have waited to release this game because like you said if things fade into obscurity after a while 
yes, they're going to come out with co-op campaign. Yes, they're going to come out with Forge mode. But six months from now, who's going to care? Yeah. Is that really going to be enough to bring people back to the game if they're already done, done. with it? People who were casual players, like casually right. introduced casual because players. it's a free-to-play game, will may not come back. People like us probably will, Absolutely. but yeah. I mean you're not going to see the same numbers that you saw at launch. I can I almost mean, guarantee that. I don't know if... I See, I, I think you're going to be right. But I'm not confident enough to place a bet on it because remember the culture that Halo 3 had with custom games. I think... That if, was there at launch. I know that was there at launch, but if, if they... I don't, I don't even... Uh, we, we don't have access to 343's financial statements, unfortunately, because they're all bundled under Microsoft and Xbox Game Studios, but I'd be willing to bet the amount of money they spend on marketing is more than they actually spend on game development. And... Well, I would contest you in saying that you're talking about... You're talking about Halo 3, right? Yeah. That's a game that was released at the peak of the hype for Halo as a franchise. And as right? a full, the complete game. Peak of interest as a full, complete game. Right. Which was able to sustain player intrigue for longer. Now you're talking about a game that was kind of released in a really weird spot in Halo's history where it's kind of like this game is going to decide the fate of the franchise. Like, is it going to save the Halo as a, as a is... franchise or is it going to kind of just fade the series the franchise into obscurity right this is like the last chance i think a lot of people are willing to give 343 to actually make a proper halo game or right. what they consider a proper you know people enjoy four and five for whatever reasons but like in mass appeal i don't think it they really ever had the same kind of appeal that the earlier games did um so for me with halo infinite i don't could the competitive multiplayer was something like i dabbled with in both Infinite and the previous Halos, but it was never my main focus. I enjoyed like playing the campaign with my friends, and I enjoyed custom games and Forge mode. Those were like the main aspects of me playing Halo, and those are all the aspects that are not part of Infinite mm -hmm. on launch. And I'm that's I'm basic. I'm not playing right. basically. I'll get on once in a while you know, to play with you guys or anyone else, but I'm not gonna play of my own accord. I, I, I don't enjoy that aspect of the game that much. And the, those staples that have been staples of the... of you know, The identity the, of Halo. Yeah. Are not there. And that's a detriment. And, you know, maybe when it comes back out, I'll pick it back up. I may not, because maybe I'll be on to other things. Maybe I'll be busy with my life. I don't know. Right. I mean... What life? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you leave the back rooms? <laughs> How do you get out of here? You know, we're talking a lot about marketing and advertising i think that leads into time for a break for our ad what i hit the table don't hit the table it picks it up on the mic <laughs> that was interesting that was interesting the table you hit the table it's a big button <laughs> oh no our table, table. It's, it's broken, broken. please leave we'll be back no don't leave come back no 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 these guys leave. Oh. the audience stays <laughs> <laughs> far corner is far away jack no i'm right here okay hey how's it going <laughs> welcome back i have a question for you justin yeah yeah yeah. how the fuck are games so complicated now so like how like, how did it get to this right what are you so okay. i understand the 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 non-technical aspect so we demand more from our games than we did when Mario was moving left and right on, on the screen. More features, more, more engaging features, experiences. More engagement, whatever. When I look at like a modern Call of Duty versus yeah. World at War, on the surface, as, as someone who is not as entrenched in the uh, technical and uh, computational aspect of game and game design, it, it seems like it's the same like complexity wise so what what actually is more complex that makes these games more difficult to create and develop um welcome back by the way uh, <laughs> i mean that that's a thanks that's a a complex question i have something i wanted to say that, that actually ties well into that and it's the idea of um so in software development as an industry in software engineering, it's one of the few industries where you the the work method and development cycle is 
significantly more iterative than any other industry where say you're designing a car or some physical object or something you typically you know one method of doing that and it's the traditional method of designing a product is a waterfall method where you do like all the research and planning then all the designing and then all of the uh, development and prototyping and then all the q a and then all the distribution and you do like all the entire though you don't do it by like okay let's implement and test this part and then implement and test this part and that it's it's all chunked and you cannot necessarily easily go back to iterate upon things that did not work out correctly software is is way more iterative you have you break things down into smaller components typically to work on things um with games becoming more complex that becomes ever more apparent and if you look at how games are progressing nowadays where live service games are are way more uh popular and prevalent in in the uh main gaming space versus I buy a game I spend x amount of dollars and I have the whole game that's the whole experience self-contained as as it was released the aspect of iteration in software development I think is has bled over into how the games are designed where rather than you design and distribute like a full game that's it everything is you build it up over time whether that's fixing bugs over time or adding content over time or designing the game to be a live service and just drip feed content over time those are all iterative approaches to games that is traditionally how you would develop software you know when you, when you make software you don't make it and then that's it that's never ever been the case at least not since like internet has been a thing where like where you're not buying a physical disc like or that that's not necessary anymore that hasn't been the case you know where you buy an actual disc and that's the only way that you can procure that software yes maybe and maybe they'll release like a version two version three but you can't okay just send out a quick update or add this feature or iteratively work on the software now we can everybody pretty much everybody has access to internet and internet speeds are Becoming faster and faster over time. I just got my one gig. Yeah, there you go. You got gigabit internet. Um, and live services of the different platforms and consoles and stuff are oh, more and more robust and feature-packed that allow e- developers to easily push out updates and content and all that stuff. So I think there's less of a push and less um, focus on just making the whole experience and distributing it all at once because they have the ability to work on it continuously. And that can help, but it can hurt in instances where the product that you release is not in a finished state or an adequate state. That's bad. Right. But I think that's a, it's a byproduct or related to the iterative nature of software development. So Jack had said we're demanding more from our games and I, I, to a degree i would i would say that that's true but i the the issue that we're really talking about here is not so much that you know we're demanding that these games come out in a set time frame and they have to have all of these extra features sure the, those things can be expected but the community is not the one that's holding a gun to the developers heads and saying you need to push this out the door by next Friday or you're not going to have a job next week, right? Uh, right. There's people I mean, overhead that are making those decisions and saying that kind of stuff. EA, as a defense to a lot of the, the community backlash over uh, 2020, uh, 2042's horrific uh, release was, well, yeah, we can't, we're struggling to meet up with, with you know, absurd player expectations. Your expecta- expectations are, are growing faster than we can meet them. And it's like, well, one... That's just not good that's not <laughs> customer good service. That's not good PR in the first place. Right. You never disagree with the consumer. Well, Even if the consumer is wrong, it's just not a good business that, practice. That, that throws me back but to that. Two, it's not player expectations that are changing. It's their level of tolerance. It's not like this is a one-time thing and you know you drop the ball this one time. This is a repeated thing. This right. is like this keeps happening. But, so, so when did it start? 
when did it start? Yeah, like was it was there a hard like no. I know it wasn't like a hard wall that we hit. No. What when did like when did the these memes that we see of like EA being, you know, the shitty company even though we can we could argue that all the developers to, or publishers at least do have shitty practices. Um I think a perfect example to tie into, you know, what you're saying, you know, EA is blaming and disagreeing with the customers. That that brings me back to that time when uh uh Blizzard uh, do you guys not have phones? You guys don't have phones <laughs> with Diablo Mobile, yeah, um, Diablo Mortal. or even the time when they said, "Oh, you guys, we we brushed upon this in a previous episode. Uh, you guys think you want classic WoW, but you don't. You know, like you don't disagree with your clients, even if you're right. Even if you're right. Even if you're right. And unfortunately, that it puts you in a in a in a kind of a shitty spot sometimes. Yeah. But to to add on to. To that, you know, I, I I've heard the saying, um, and I got as someone who's, you know, focusing in you know finance and business, I've heard the term, you know, especially in software engineering and IT and and any sort of technology or engineering space, um, you have a bunch of experts in their field being told what to do by a bunch of MBAs and. To an extent, like uh, this, I mean, no offense to people who have MBAs, but like it, it's true. You you usually don't have the level of understanding as the people who are doing exactly what you're telling them and delegating them to do. And I think it's a, I think it's a cultural thing. It is. Yeah. It really is because I see it all the time. I don't work in video games whatsoever. I work in a restaurant, but. Every corporate place that I've worked at, which I will not name for uh, Obvious reasons. legal reasons, um, <laughs> <laughs> I I can't stand working for corporate, honestly, because a lot of the decisions they make is like, if you are working in this job, you can see at face value how fucking stupid it is. Mm-hmm. These some Some of these decisions that corporate makes sometimes. And it's like, how far removed? Like, how many levels of abstraction are there between oh my God. the top and the bottom? Like, I don't understand. The, the like, bureaucracy of, uh, like, of it. So I, I work, you know, I work for a financial company, and the one thing that they're always saying is they're trying to limit the bureaucracy, right? And I believe that they are, but they're just not doing a good job at that because. How do you do that with companies that are so large? There's just so much I to know, manage. I know, and it's if you, you you can't have it's kind of like a um, ugh, there's a term for it, but it's kind of like you you can't you have to trade off something. It's like, do you want uh, control and quality control and more um, tight deadlines and more tight you know uh, 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 rules and restrictions, or do you want to limit bureaucracy and inefficiency? And give more freedom to the people at that are making those day to day decisions. Like, what at what point is it going to be too far or not far enough? And I think in gaming specifically, the, all these industries, each company, it, like it's still relatively like gaming's been around for only how many years? Forty years? Thirty years? Forty, fifty, forty, fifty. Yeah. yeah, and the scale that we're at these days is something that we've never seen. It's an industry that's fucking billions of dollars like people are making livings off of playing video games like we never thought of this when we were kids we would be like oh that's you know that's a dream i want to be a streamer when i grow up like that wasn't yeah i want to walk back something i i just said Uh, because i i did say that a lot of these (laughs) i said that a lot of these corporate decisions don't really make sense but i understand they don't make sense why the peons yeah. To the PLs. Uh, I to understand the non, why the they're non-NBAs. there. I understand why they're there because how I think that the company should be run and how the person next to me thinks the company should be run may not be exactly the same. We might have conflicting opinions on how we should be doing, you know, day-to-day operations. So those kind of corporate decisions set a standard right. for the rest of the company to follow so that at least everybody's operating on the same terms. Right. Right. So it's interesting how when you look at some of these larger development studios that you know are working under these kind of corporate standards how there can be so much discourse and difference in opinion and how that plays a part in like muddled vision of of what a what a final product should look like when you have so many hands in quote unquote you know in the basket mm-hmm. the 
original, I guess, drive and passion for any particular product gets diluted. You know, it, it to have, um, for example, um, Steve Jobs, I think, was while he was like, you mentioned, well known. You mentioned this before. Yeah, yeah, well known as kind of like a dick. A dick. He wasn't the nicest guy. He and he could be, you know, dictating and controlling. It was to the point of he had a particular idea, passion, or vision for how something should be, how it should be created or marketed or whatever the case is. And you can see that in a lot of their products. They had like a very focused way, and they still do, uh, of how they're designed. You know, they they don't just follow trends and they don't let a lot of other influences within the, into their products. They're very focused on what they think is the correct route to mm -hmm. develop. So... It, while it can hurt like a workplace dynamic or environment and it may not by, by having like one person kind of control so much of that it can turn out it can make products turn out better in some cases well it's, it's a balance you know that's where that's where i think the 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 corporate aspect of it tends to be where it tends to overshadow so i think there are still triple-a studios out there making quality games mm -hmm. even at these scales um i think last of us with not uh, naughty dog last of us uncharted massive you know they're massive games they're they're huge story-driven games and hundreds of people are working on it but it's still got a singular vision because of the well-run machine that that comp that development is granted i know no 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 no. i was i was going to agree with you oh okay i was going to agree with you same thing with santa monica studios like you ask employees who well i'm sure there's probably some but you ask employees who worked on god of war and worked on uncharted and banjo uh not banjo kazooie uh Crash Bandicoot. Crash Bandicoot. They're probably proud of their work. That was a fucking guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're proud of the work that they did on those games. You ask somebody who worked on uh, maybe Battlefield 2042, they're probably not very proud of the, the team that they were a part of. And that's where culture comes into it. And that that leads me to one question, but I know you seem like you had something you wanted to well, say. Well, I think you're absolutely right. It, it can be done i think it falls down to the intent mm -hmm. behind or the motivations behind the company in question yeah right shareholders or shareholders or yeah. putting out a quality product right <laughs> well we can get to a business class if you want but like there's a reason why one of the biggest companies in the world costco they have they are unique in the way that in their mission statement they say first person the first group the first stakeholder is the customer the second stakeholder is not the shareholders it's the employees and that's why they've been very successful um a lot of smaller studios that make games the team cherry as an example you know it's only a handful of people it's an indie game company mm -hmm. they that is a game that you they are proud of to to have made they would not be proud to have been on the team of if they were part of the team of 2042 or cyberpunk maybe um so let me ask what are some triple a games that you guys think meet that quality standard i thought of one well i thought of an interesting example <laughs> the warioware games because they so they a lot of their development for all the games in this series are letting the development team and individual employees kind of just have at it and think of interesting creative ideas and sort of having a more self-regulating development style. And that leads into the WarioWare games having a very interesting, eccentric weird styles of mini that games and gameplay I volleyball thought mini game with the guy that used to live that's so fucking stupid <laughs> but it's really cool like you get those those when um you allow employees to work at their own pace and to and to have a little more creative freedom maybe you don't get these as expansive of a game or as much quote-unquote content or maybe it takes longer but you get i think more unique 
refined uh, and interesting experiences like that as one. And you can pull up probably a lot of like indie game examples as games that may have be a have taken a long time and don't look like compared to AAA titles have have as much content or aren't as grand of a game or have these super realistic graphics but they're still com- very enjoyable games they're still great games they're very refined and um, right. I don't remember where I was going with that what was the question you asked I, I honestly well uh, you said AAA games what AAA, AAA games oh, meet, the yeah. meet the standard I think a lot of Nintendo games yeah I think. I think the concept of live service games is hurting the industry as a whole. Um, Are there live service single player games? Because it's from what I, I'm noticing, not. these these quality issues and these releases that are being shattered um, by the like the player base is just just dead. It seems to happen mostly mostly with like multiplayer games. Well, so I, I've been playing a lot of. Like I said in our last episode, I've been playing a lot of like a, a lot of my older Xbox games, and this the, these games came out long before the concept of like a live service game was even a thing, mm. even a thought. Um, well, I mean, and, and I don't think that when you play those games, you don't get that sense of this is this game is missing features or it's missing content. And I don't know if that's because there was no vision for like future monetization in place and they could just make the product that they wanted to make or having lived in the age of modern gaming and and live service games are we kind of being reprogrammed to think that this is just kind of how games are now like it's going to launch this way and then six months down the road it's going to have all this extra content like take call of duty every year call of duty launches and then all of its individual map packs come out over the course of like six months or so. And then it kind of like fades into obscurity. And then the next one comes out. Right. But honestly, by the time the fourth map pack for any Call of Duty comes out, I feel like I, I haven't touched the game already for like four months. You know, it, it's well, weird. There, are there map packs still these days? No, right? They're not even uh, not even map packs. You don't pay for them. They're they're free content updates all at content this updates, point, right. Be- because but they yes, have stuff like course. the battle pass and the mm-hmm. shops and all that yeah. stuff for them to monetize monetize around, like, so they don't have to do that. Like call the call of duty. That's actually Call of Duty. I think is probably the they're releasing an annual title not to release a new game with a new vision. They're releasing it as a way to add content to a Warzone. That's kind of what it feels like now. No, I mean, that's what they've stated. Look at every, every, like, every Call of Duty that's come out with zombies in the last you know five years. They've released with one zombies map. Yeah, one zombies map. That's all you get. You get the campaign sometimes. If you're Black sometimes. Ops Four, you don't even get that. You get your your list of multiplayer maps, which varies in number every year. It's getting shorter and shorter. And then you know your one zombies map, and they games now are selling you the promise of future future content content. and i don't think that's how it should be there's a youtuber there's a tech youtuber i'm i'm blanking on his name right now i forgot but he always says campaign futures he always says (laughs) buy it nice or buy it twice that's what he always says i've heard you should never buy a product based on the future uh, uh, based on the promise of future updates or future content. Mm-hmm. Buy it at face value for what it is. Right. That's why I haven't touched Cyberpunk until right. just now. Now that I hear that people are saying, oh, this is how the game was kind of supposed to be. It's actually like functioning now. I was like, I was interested in it then. If it works, I'll be interested in it now. But I wasn't going to pay $60 back then for a broken buggy mess. Right. Now I'll try it out, especially since they put a free trial out. Right. But I just feel like it's... I don't mean to be so negative in this episode, but it's like no, it's this, frustrating. This is, this it is, is frustrating. The, we are in the room of negativity, so we are <laughs> just no. just no just no self harm. No. Um, well, yeah, that was my rant. Well, I think that the release of games with less content is so because it's it continues to happen because. <laughs> la, 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 la. Processing. <laughs> it's become more normalized yes so there's the term uh the, the idea of to, to to tidy up with a uh, tie it up with a bow as what brian was saying 
there's the uh, experiment of putting a frog in boiling water. How slow... I'm fast as fuck, boy. I'm going to crank that shit. <laughs> well, no. The, the, I, okay. The, the, no. Sl the slower that water will boil, the more likely that frog will stay in that pot of water until it, it boils itself to death. The instantaneous differences in temperature are, are almost imperceptible until there is a large change from the original exactly. state. It's, and it, then you realize. It's just like calculus. One time my no. dad threw a frog <laughs> off a cliff in Germany when he was 10 years old, and it just splattered on the floor and he immediately see that surprises me i mean that's good yeah. i'm glad he felt i'm bad. glad he felt i'm glad bad. he felt bad yeah <laughs> i'm very glad he felt bad see if, if you didn't feel bad then i know there's a problem you know that's a sign of sociopaths that's where we're sociopathy. Coming from. i think uh i don't know how much this has had an influence but it's very much related to to this uh steam and their steam green light um mm part of their business and i don't actually know is it called that anymore it was basically like development teams and things could pitch their ideas it was like a and it was community voted ah. to get support and eventually i guess if it got enough support then they would partner with valve and put it on the steam page and put it on a steam page and title it an early access game so that people could buy it in the state that it is with the um stipulation that you know you're buying the game in its current state it is un it is you know unfinished there may be bugs and etc 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 but it is you know being worked on mm -hmm. supposedly yeah but at least they advertised it that way yes but the thing the 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 issue that has come about that is that there's no um repercussions or there's no uh what's what's the word i'm thinking of like um you're making a gamble. Yeah, there's no like inclination for that developer to actually finish and and, and get through with the development okay. of the game because the the buyer has already purchased the game. You've I've already given you my money. Now I just have to hope on an honor system that you will continue to develop the game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there have been quite a few cases of abandonware where yeah. games have been abandoned or are really did not come out as how they were advertised to be that they were gonna gonna become. So while I while I don't I don't agree that that's you know not a pro it's not it's not a problem that is a problem, but I think it's less of an offense because at least you're being upfront and honest with your customers. You're like, hey, you're paying for something that's not finished, and there is no guarantee that it will be finished. That's on you as a consumer to put the money down on on the hope that they will finish the game. I'm not saying that they don't owe it to the consumer to do that. They they really should. That's the mm -hmm. ethical thing to do, but it is a gamble. The issue I'm talking about here is you have EA <laughs> putting out a public beta a month before the game comes out and saying, oh yeah, it's, this is an old build from three months ago. The game's not going to be like this at launch. And That's just an outright lie. <laughs> like you, you can't just do that to consumers and keep getting away yeah. with it. I don't know. I feel and like there's a bit of a difference. I think there's also an important, depend. it also depends on the developer. You know, Hanlon's, do you know Hanlon's Razor? I don't. Don't attribute malice to what could be considered either you know stupidity ignorance or ignorance yeah i don't remember the actual quote but like are these developers or are these publishers like ea is ea really evil or are they just poorly run company who are just a bunch of idiots i know um you know we know the situation with activision you know very poor work culture um being revealed that we can see you know very a lot of toxicity within the company itself we don't know about EA. From what from what I've heard, the culture that's inside EA is actually very good. That's what I was going to say. I've mm. heard similar things where there's less of either a toxic environment or, you know, due to relations or due to uh, expectations from, from management and upper level people. And maybe that contributes to the less content and less finished games because people aren't being pushed you know, as hard. Not that I think right, they right, should right. be, but maybe it is <laughs> partially a result. And maybe the um, deadlines haven't been adjusted accordingly to fit that changing, that changed work environment. Mm. Though maybe things do need to take more time because you're caring about your employees or right. you're creating a healthier work dynamic. And I think at so the what, end of the day, what that's... you're saying is crunch bad 
slavery a, a good. A little bit, a little bit of crunch is okay. <laughs> well, yeah, a little bit of crunch is fine, and crunch in the sense of, and I'm I'm kind of just bringing up a YouTube video <laughs> by a YouTuber called Noodle, who is all about I gaming love crunch. Noodle. Such a good video, such a good channel. Go check it out. Um, I love it. where I love crunch is crunch. fine. Crunch coming from a place of I personally have a passion and I want to finish this you know I'll, I'll stay up a couple nights or really work on this to get this feature in or make sure it's polished like those passion driven moments of crunch or maybe like you know you have a big project and it's the last couple days and you just wanted that one big rush to get it finished that's fine but when it's continuous for like weeks months even Under a year of more, termination yeah, yeah on, on end where, where yeah there, there there's repercussions if you don't that's that, that's super that's, toxic, and that and that caught that in itself is like a a cause for for quality issues because people will cut corners. I know I've cut corners mm-hmm. whenever I'm on a crunch at work that I didn't need to be or felt like I shouldn't be Absolutely. over extended periods of time. I'll cut corners. People Absolutely. are not working at their peak when they're and that's tired, deprived, and exhausted. Ties us back to company standards. Yeah, right. Because if everybody was running the way they thought that they should run the company. Half the stuff that gets cleaned would never get cleaned, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> even, even like when I go through training at like new companies, sometimes everybody's like, on paper, this is the way it's supposed to be done, but this is the way we actually, yeah, do it. like, like, yeah. like there are some things that are just like so ridiculous, but you know, if if they didn't have it on paper, it would never get done, yeah. you know. And it's like I've I've had auditors come to my workplace, and they're like, oh, you know, we're we're looking for X, Y, and Z, and they're usually very strict, but then like B comes along and it's like eh, it's all right that one that one's good enough but then another auditor like there's only so much self-control and self-containment that a company can do over its own stuff especially as they get big like these triple a titles and you know you're talking about a place of passion i actually just remembered something regarding the lord of the ring movies um there was one guy uh, after and his name is Peter Jackson. No, no. <laughs> I think we got the wrong Peter. No, that's potato salad. Like... What the fuck? <laughs> it's John Cena's potato salad. No, I don't know where you he don't is. Notice? I can't see him. I don't know. Potato salad's hard to see. Um, fuck. <laughs> okay. In the last movie of Lord of the Rings, there is the scene where the tower falls, where the Iris Sauron falls. They didn't know how they were going to do it because they had one physical model of it. You gotta remember this was early two thousands as well. Um, so Christmas break comes around. They're like, "All right, well, we're going to put it away." Like the whole team, the, all the teams were like, "We'll put it, put it to the side for now. We'll come back from 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 holiday season." And what? I'm, not, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Um, okay. Sometimes we have random fits of hysteria from staying in the back rooms long enough. It happens. Yeah. Um. All right. <laughs> but you're saying that they. Sh- uh... So so they all went away for 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 the holidays, or they all went back to their families. There was one guy who scanned that entire tower into a 3D software over the holiday. He wasn't asked to. He did this on his own accord. They came back and they were. They now had, instead of one model that they could break down and have fun with they had infinite because they had a 3d model they could just break and build back up and it, it they were able to actually control how they wanted that scene to go now and that's where passion comes in because there was no crunch mm-hmm. unless he he did that himself he was like this is what i gotta do you know so i found that it was yeah you know, there's a flip side to that though where some companies kind of take advantage of that. Right. That you use that. Like, we're looking for really passionate people. And yeah, maybe for certain positions, you will attract those type of people. But then perpetuating that type of workflow, because like using the passion as a starting point right. to, to say like, hey, this is the expectation. It That's like, yeah. I don't know. I don't like that. Yeah. Well, I think that's why I, COVID was kind of a, and now we're getting a little deep, but COVID was kind of a catalyst for a lot of people to to realize hey i'm being taken advantage of i have self-worth i have self-worth self-worth the amount of uh people uh in the united states at least i don't know about other countries offhand but the amount of um new quote-unquote businesses new independent contractors that came out of covid because people are valuing themselves now is 
in my eyes, I like it. I know, I know this idea of the gig economy is very controversial and people being their own, you know, especially in the U S because of fucking health insurance, (laughs) but, um, people are valuing themselves now. They're not being valued by a company. And I think that's very important. Um, and I hope to see more of that in our games so that there's more care and passion put into them. I like that right there. Okay. You have anything to say? No, good. Okay. What? No, that was like a nice positive note. I didn't want Brian to bring it down. I wasn't going okay. to. <laughs> I wasn't going to. What does that mean? You had a look on your face like, I'm going to get him. No. I'm going to get him. No, I was going to say, I think it's, I think you're oh, absolutely boy. right. Oh, I boy. Think, no, but with COVID, people realize like this company doesn't care about you know my well-being or my health you know they they only care about the bottom dollar they're mm-hmm. making me come into the office for what reason i'm 110 percent capable of doing this job from home why I do i have fine. to go back to the office and do this to, was... to do the same job at a computer um and so i think you know developers should kind of you know do the same thing pay attention to you know the kind of behaviors that the, your 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 company is is exhibiting exhibiting thank you um and and recognize like is this really the place I want to be? Mm-hmm. You know, value yourself. Yeah, recognize what you know you're good at, and recognize what you're shit at, and ignore that, but focus on the good. Um, I Alrighty. yeah. Alrighty. Question mark. Yeah. yeah. All right. Does anyone else right. have any you know closing notes? I know we got a little a little passionate in the negative room here. It's not negative. It's only negative if you think it's negative. Not negative. Everything I mean, is negative. No. Only negative if you think it's negative. <laughs> there are certain conversations that just need to be had. Absolutely. After a while. You know, this isn't going to be, you know, an every week thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, for but... me, it's an everyday thing. But uh, <laughs> I want everybody to have a wonderful rest of your time here in the back rooms. Very, Follow very us Christmas. on Christmas. Happy New Year. I don't know when you're watching this. That's true. If you're watching this in the happy birthday next in the you know ten months from now or twenty four two. If you're watching months. this in 2077, <laughs> stop. <laughs> we know what the future's like. It's dark. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Brian uh, Brian is in charge of Instagram. I'm in charge of Twitter. Follow us on the the Truth Social app. No. <laughs> <laughs> do not do that. Also, Holy shout shit. out to who was the was someone who commented like stick. Yeah, <laughs> stick. Shout out to that guy. Yeah, tell the story real quick. What what, what was the background? What, what what? So I asked the question on on Spotify. Uh, what was the question? I don't fucking remember. I think it was something to do with Minecraft. Oh, it was like what was your what was your first memory with Minecraft? And this guy, I if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> The first response, second response was stick. stick. <laughs> I, I have it pinned on on that room, so go go check that. <laughs> but yes, follow us anywhere Everywhere. we go. I manage nothing. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like in general, or <laughs> I I manage this. You mean you pay the bills? Well, this is my domain. I delegate. This. I delegate. <laughs> I have the capital allocated towards this. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you everybody for joining and listening. We'll see and you we guys. We'll see you in the next room. In the next room. Twelve. Bye-bye.